0: Welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source of all things IFRS, technical accounting matters, business issues, current standard setting, and regulatory updates. I'm your host, Ruth Preedy. In today's episode, we're continuing in our COVID-19 series, and today we're going to focus on IS20, which is all about government assistance. And we've obviously seen lots of different government schemes to support the economy and people. So we'll be picking some of those schemes today or some general principles and talking through some of the accounting implications. And to help me do that, I need a guru. So I'm joined by Mr. Gary Berkovitz. Welcome, Gary. Hi, Ruth. Thanks very much. Again, recording virtually. Fingers crossed it works okay. Yeah. Um, okay so let's start at the very beginning. What on earth is government assistance in IS20? Yeah,
1: that's a very good place to start Ruth. So government assistance is defined in the standard as you know action by the governments that's um, designed to provide some form of economic benefit that is specific to an entity or a range of entities uh, and the and qualifying criteria and then what you normally find is we end up talking about government grants and government grants are further defined in the standard as you know forms of transfers of resources in most cases the ones we're seeing being cash um, to entities or to you know a, a range of entities in return for that entity um, complying with with past or future conditions relating to its operating
0: activities so as i mentioned at the beginning there's there is so many different things different governments are doing around the world so it's hard to know if everything is government assistance. Are all these different schemes just automatically government assistance in the scope of is twenty?
1: that's that's actually a really good question, Ruth. and um there's probably two parts to that question. So you know the first part is the arrangement between the government or the government, uh, you know the government body and the entity receiving the government's assistance. And by and large, those arrangements will be in the scope of is twenty to the extent that, it meets the definitions that i just went through i think we probably need to be a little bit careful there with respect to some of the arrangements we're seeing on um, central bank uh, lending schemes because i think there's going to come a question or we were dealing with the question currently of whether or not that's really a government's assistance or government grant or whether or not that is really the norm at the moment in the current environment and all you know entities that are that are in the in the um scope of lending are receiving uh, very low interest loans I'll, I'll i won't say any more on that and i'll let sandra deal with that question in in hopefully a short shortcoming um uh, podcast soon but that's that's really part the first part of the question so by and large most of those arrangements will be in the scope of is20 but then there is the, the related kind of conditions that, that need to be complied with, which is normally then the entity that received the grants actually providing the, the relief or assistance in, this, you know, in the context of the, the government assistance we're seeing at the moment, off to you know, third parties. And that part of the arrangement is generally not in the scope of, of IS-20, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. Really helpful there. So, two important things for us to consider. You mentioned there and um, the central bank lending schemes, and like you said, we've got, a, you know, more planned in the financial instrument world to um, have some future podcasts. What other sort of schemes have you seen that, you know, are in IS20 that you've been discussing?
1: Yeah, good, good. another good question. Maybe a ones that are a little bit easier for us uh, non-FI folks to, to visualize. So, I mean, we've seen two that spring to mind. The one is kind of your uh, commercial lessor schemes. So obviously with with reduced footpo- footfall in physical stores, uh, lessees are under pressure. Um, as a result, we've seen some government relief plans where the government actually provides uh, relief or subsidies to lessors, commercial lessors, but with the condition, either uh, strong suggestion or, or, or legally required, that lessors actually pass those that, those reliefs on to the lessees. So then you've got an arrangement between you know, government or government authority and the lessor, which is in the scope of, of IS-20 from what we've seen. Uh, we're starting to see other, other schemes, employee subsidy schemes, where you know, unfortunately a lot, of, a lot of folks are not able to go to work as a result of the businesses that they work for. Um, needing to to be be mothballed during this period of time and as a result you've seen governments in some some locations stepping in and actually providing employers with subsidies or reliefs that can then be passed on to the employees during the period of time that they can they can no longer work. and so again the arrangement between the the government and the employer would similarly be in the scope of, of is 20.
0: Great. So some great examples there of things that do fall in the scope of IS 20. I always feel like normally, in normal conditions, IS 20 isn't a standard we often go in. So I'm sure IS 20 is excited. It's getting some readership these days. What does it actually say? How do you account for a government grant?
1: Yeah, I, I, you're probably right there, Ruth. It's probably uh, we're dusting off IS 20. Uh, <laughs> I've looked at it in, in more in the last couple of weeks, I think, than I have in the last couple of years. So... Definitely spot on there. And I think actually what's what's a really important point to note is that, you know, what we're seeing is some situations where before you even actually get into IS20, there is actually a gating question around who is the counterparty that is actually receiving the government assistance or the government grants. Because in most traditional government grant situations that, that we've seen, you know, there are normally conditions that are attached to the grants that are received by the by the entity. But that doesn't mean, you know. But normally, the entity still, you know, accounts for that as a government grant. I think what we are seeing is some scenarios where the the conditions that the the government is imposing on entities, those conditions are so restrictive in some cases, or they can be so restrictive, that it actually draws into question whether or not the entity actually receives the government grant, or whether or not the entity is merely acting as a pass through or an agent who is facilitating the transfer of a government grant from government directly to the third party and so you know if you think of my example with the the commercial lessor you know i think a question there is you know does the lessor actually obtain a government grant that is then transferred to the lessee or is the lessor merely acting as a conduit through which government is directly um providing relief or or a government grants to the to the lessee and I think there where, where folks probably want to focus on is our agent principal guidance and looking specifically at the guidance in, in IFRS 15 to try and determine whether or not the counterparty or the, 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 the intermediary in the arrangement actually obtains control of the government grants um, before it transfers that government grant through to the, to the, uh, the third party.
0: Okay, so great point there, Gary. So we're almost using some of the newer guidance that's come out in IS fifteen to support what we're doing in IS twenty there around, you know, are you actually the principal receiving a grant or are you just passing through? Let's make the assumption that we have actually got a grant and we can control how we use it. What does the standard say about if we can recognise or how we recognize it?
1: Yeah. So once we're kind of it's taken us quite a long time, but now we're we're firmly in IS twenty. We're, we're comfortable in there. with a, we're the uh, <laughs> we're, we're the principal party that's receiving the grant, and I think the standard then, is, you know, it's, it says you you can recognise that grant when you've got reasonable assurance that you as the that the NC will comply with any conditions that are attaching to that grant that have been imposed on you, and that the grant will be received. Now, in you know, in most cases, here, the grant is received. It's provided in cash, and um, it'll then de- depend on the terms and conditions that the government has imposed related to that grant with respect to, to when you book it. Probably also worth mentioning that there's there's two uh, general models in IS 20 uh, It's how you account for grants that are, you know, physical assets and, and how you account for grants that are more income in, in nature. I think, by and large, all of the grants we've seen to date have been more on the income income uh, model, and so I won't spend too much time on the asset model. And I think the, the idea there is, you know, you receive income or, or cash, and you then recognize that as grant income when you have reasonable assurance that you comply with the, the two criteria I just mentioned. So it's, you know, debit cash and then effectively um, you're going to credit income.
0: Okay. So do you literally, if you if you feel like you've got reasonable assurance, um, when you get the cash, do you literally just go debit cash and you get to credit the income statement?
1: Actually, thanks for asking that question, Rhys, because I think if you're in the income model, the, pr- the further principle that IS 20 goes on to explain is that you should only recognise that income in profit and loss on a systematic basis over the same period that you're recognising the corresponding expenses that the grant is intended to compensate. So if, if you incurred a massive loss as a result of, of COVID-19 and the government then provided you relief to compensate you for that, you would then recognize it all all at the same time but to the extent that it's you know that relief is intended to compensate for a a loss that's going to occur in the future you would only recognize it over time as the corresponding loss is incurred and that's probably you know a good segue onto a point we've noticed here which is in a lot of the grants we're seeing the government is is not necessarily compensating for for expenses that entities are incurring, a lot of the time we're seeing reliefs that are intended to supplement lost income or lost revenues.
0: Okay, so that, so what will determine when the expenses or lost revenues you just mentioned or income actually occurs?
1: Yeah, so I think that that's when we, again, as I mentioned right at the, well, a while back, you know, that's where we move maybe out of the scope of, of IS20 and we have to actually look at what is the accounting standard that is driving the expense or loss of income or revenues that we're recognizing. So maybe I can use an example that'll maybe bring this to light a bit more. If you go back to the example I used with the commercial lessor example. Now, if you think about it, that relief that the government is providing to the lessor is really trying to compensate the lessor for uh, lease income that it will earn from its lessees when it provides them with relief. And so you actually need to look at IFRS 16 and the arrangement between the lessor and the lessee. To determine when the lessor is going to actually recognize the reduction in its lease income once you've worked that out you can then go back to is 20 and say okay if this is an income grant i should recognize that corresponding income in the periods in which i'm recognizing the reduction of my lease income so it really you know there's a lot of interaction i think between is 20 And the arrangement that that exists between the intermediary and the end party to work out when you actually are going to book the the government grant as, as income, if you're in the income model.
0: That's really helpful, Gary. So I think what I'm hearing from the discussion is um, this actually is broader than just a government grant question. And often the government is giving lots of different assistance. And if you do find yourself in the scope of IS-20, the actual income recognition, you might need to then look almost down the chain of how the cash gets distributed and how the income works in other standards to be able to actually work out your measurement pattern. Um, So lots to think about. You're an (laughs) an IS-20. Guru, now you yeah, that's exactly it. Spot I've on had 10 minutes of IS 20 practice, <laughs> and I'm a guru. I'm not sure about that. And um, so, I always do a nice catch all at the end of the podcast where you can give me all your insights in every other area forgotten to ask you. Um, so is there anything else people should be f- thinking about? I almost said forgetting about thinking about <laughs> in IS 20, thinking about or not forgetting.
1: Yeah, so probably two things that I'll include in my catch all. I think the one would just be related to presentation, and there, I think the comment would be. You know, when when you're dealing with a government grant that that is compensating for costs or expenses of the entities incurred, the standard says you can you can set those government grants off in the same line item as the corresponding costs that you recognise the net cost. I think when we're dealing with lost income or or, or reduced revenues, it's not quite the same principle. Um, so I think if folks are being are receiving government grants that are intended to compensate for uh, lost revenues, either lease revenue or, or um, or, or revenue in, uh, in IFRS in the scope of IFRS 15. I think I would, I would say there's be very, very careful if you want to include the government grant in the same line, line item as the corresponding revenue, because it's probably a, you know, it's a different standard. And in some cases, that may be misleading. It's probably much much clearer presentation to to provide the government grants in a separate line item, possibly still within your broader revenue category. But I think making it clear and transparent that you are receiving different income streams from different counterparties. And then the last one that I'll say, and this will probably be a an ongoing uh, theme that'll that'll. It'll be pervasive through all these podcasts is just related to disclosure. I think we're in a you know a, a um a situation with a huge amount of uncertainty both in recognition and measurement. and I think in this at this point in time, being being transparent, being clear, concise, and uh, and comprehensive around what government grants you received. The terms and conditions relating to those government grants and how that's affected your financial performance and position will be will be paramount. So, uh, when in doubt, make sure it's clear.
0: good news, Gary, is that's what exactly that what me and Tony said on the last one we kept saying, just make sure you disclose, explain. Okay, perfect. Really helpful. So hopefully this little nugget of information about IS20 has helped people if you have got some government assistance and thinking through the model there. Thanks for joining us, Gary. I'm sure we'll have you back soon because we've got lots of things to discuss. And for everybody listening in, there is more information available on PwC and form on lots of these topics. And, you know, let us know if you've got any questions. And if not, stay safe and happy accounting. The preceding programme was brought to you by Price Waterhouse Coopers LLP. This content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.